0: A very good morning to you all. It's nice to be here again. This is actually the second time I preach in Trinity. The first time was on a picnic. So ryan was the pastor and it was an outdoors happening. And I may be the only one that was present in that meeting. <laughs> because an international church is a very transient church. As we notice in IBC also, uh, where I usually come and um greetings from them also it's good to be here and uh, to preach to be able to preach from this psalm which very much a psalm of faith it links very well i think with this reading from hebrews it's about a man looking forward to something he used to know in the past but he's in between there's the experience of the past and the longing for something in the future to happen which is the expression of faith i think so Thank you for reading us, leading us through the reading also. And you may see that the way it was read fits in with the form of the sermon. I will have to look back a few times. It's one uh, psalm, two in our Bible, but they link together. It's actually one composition. And from this one psalm, many voices come to us, but one voice is behind them all. And I should make a... Movement, of course. So let's go to the first impressions. The first thing is just if you study a piece of the Bible, what's the time, what's the place, what's the saying to the original author, to the recipients of the message? So let's go there. So we also will see in the second part what is very central, literally, in the message. Also for us. And the third one is foreshadowing is there something that the original recipient could not have known but unwittingly expressed because the voice of the Holy Spirit was speaking to him as we often may actually experience ourselves that we say things we barely have thought about it but it was a special meaning to the person who heard them God can actually speak through people without an understanding and God can speak to people living a thousand years before Christ came, to now, people living now. So he speaks through the ages and through people, also it's in this psalm. So the first impressions, yes, it's written as a muskiel, and it means it's an artful song. It's not a cry of the heart, very spontaneous. It has been composed carefully, and we should take into account this. And secondly, there is the idea of a deer panting for water, but there are streams of water nearby, which in itself is a bit of an enigma. He's, the deer is panting for water. Uh, my soul is panting, longing for God, like a deer panting for the water, but it's in the middle of a land full of water. The story behind it is actually that the deer is looking for water when it's pursued by enemies maybe by wolves, to find the stream, to cast off the sand, to get rid of the uh, predators. That's a possible explanation. But here it's very much a longing for past happiness, what we see, yes. And there's also the idea that from the and it's important to know that they were the singers, musicians, actually the ones here leading the procession to the house of God uh, in the annual feasts. And that's exactly what he's missing. Going forward, (laughs) being beyond the throne to the temple in Jerusalem. And he can't go there. And it pains his heart. The fact that he has this memory, but it is not there. But there's the element of faith, looking forward. Uh, So the background of the psalm and the author. Well, the place described as Hermon, which is... uh, mountain in the north of Israel. Uh, In winter you can go skiing there. It's a skiing resort. It's not what we think of Israel as Palm beaches, Dead Sea, Red Sea. No. It's quite high up. It's on the borders with Syria. and It's the place where all the water for Israel almost comes from. It's the source of the Jordan. And here is the movie. And the movie that gives you an image of it will be accompanied by the piano. Thank you, so we have an image of the place where it is in, it's a nice place, it's a place probably you would going holidaying for, and um, it has a lot of the beauty of nature and we think of it when we go out, I think it's a very nice holiday or preparing for the holiday sermon, enjoying nature, seeing God in nature, but at the same time missing our church, as the man who wrote the psalm is, obviously. So. Yes, the next slide can go in, yeah. Okay, an important question is, why did this man end up being in this place actually? Because he is a Korachite, someone who needs worship, and he's all in the north of Israel, considerable distance from Jerusalem, and he cannot travel there. Why is it that he cannot travel there? Well, that's the history of Israel because his, at some point his ancestors arrived there and then some political th- changes happened so that prevailed him from going to Jerusalem and doing what he was actually called to do, being a Korakite, leading worship, leading the procession. So here's the things that happened. Herman is in, out in the north and that's the place where the tribe of Dan was actually living. The thing is, the inheritance of Dan is in what we know now as the Gaza Strip, not in the north. And history tells us that for some reason they were not able to grasp their inheritance, so they moved north and conquered an additional bit of uh, land right up north. That is how it is ancestors, the tribe of Dan came in the area of Hermon. So, if you look at the time where he was living, there was something happening, Jerusalem is over there, and there is actually something that stops them from going, because the split of the kingdom had occurred. After David, we have of course Salomon, and Solomon built an enormous kingdom, raised the taxes, and then his son was asked, "Well, maybe you could lower the taxes a bit because it's strangling us." And he said, "Well, my father's little finger was—no, <laughs> sorry, my father's middle was thinner than my little finger. If he gave you taxes, I will give you more." And they said, "Well, son of David, what do we have to do with you? We'll set up, uh, set up our own business." We will actually not uh, recognize you as king anymore. We'll set up a new kingdom in the north and do our own bidding. And as we don't want everyone to travel to Jerusalem so they may defect to the southern kingdom, we'll set up two nice places of worship in Dan and quite close to the border. And they put up some calves there and actually they became, of course, a source of idolatry. And the whole northern kingdom fell into idolatry. And here is this man sitting in the north, being a worship leader. And nobody is actually fearing the Lord. And they taunt him, where is your God? And they're pestering all day long. He can't go to Jerusalem to worship. And all the people around him, well, basically taunt him for his desire that is often the place where a faithful person finds himself in. And a lot of the people from Hebrews found themselves in. Okay, so it were the mistakes of his forefathers, not taking the inheritance. Secondly, there was this dist- uh, division, his contemporaries were definitely making mistakes and he ends up. The third reason is simply, he had not let you, he had left. Uh, We know that the uh, Korachites and the Levites that lived up north at at some point moved south and left the kingdom. And I think there is something to be learned already from this part of the message. So, So the forefathers made mistakes. Uh, The results of his forefathers bore on him. Secondly, his contemporaries and results were also in his life. And thirdly, he had not yet stepped out of the situation. So, message now for us. Yes. Is whatever the forefathers, your father, grandfather, and far beyond have done in mistakes, bears on our lives. not irredubable, but the results are there. It's not just for our own sins. It's also the sins of the fathers that have their results in our lives. Secondly, of course, contemporaries make uh, wrong decisions, can be sinful, also comes back on us. Of course, there's also our own shortcomings, failings and sins and they come in this third situation, we have to step out situations. If something brings us to a sin, we have to step out of it. Simply, we have to break away from it. So that's also one part of the message. Next part, which is the uh, second part of the sermon, if you look at the text and especially if you go on holidays and bring your Bible, it is helpful to think about how is this passage structured. It's a little bit studious uh, thing. I've zoomed through it fairly fast. We are used to headings in the newspaper, a big bold part which tells the main thing of the message and sometimes at the end there's a summary. So if you quickly want to grasp something, you read the header, the beginning and the end, you basically get it. The thing is, for many biblical texts, you find structures bit the beginning and an end, but the, core is really in the middle, also here, so the next one, uh, if you see the whole psalm as a whole and you find out, you see actually three times the same structure ending with um, oh, what's the English word? Refrain <laughs> chorus, of course, um, uh, so there's a, a number of texts and ending with the same bit of text So it's three bits of song. But the middle one is a little bit too long, actually. So if you zoom in to the middle of the middle, which is the next click, you find actually, here we find something of the core of the message, the answer to the longing of uh, the man who is sitting in the middle of a beautiful landscape taunted by his uh, enemies. Uh, by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. Uh, it's like the answer to his longing is in the middle there. So, the living God is actually El Chai, and if you know some people who have this little thing hanging around their neck, the Chai is a sign for life. He is the God of life, also the living God the God who gives life, but he is also the God who lives. Uh, So let's move. So there's one voice actually in the Hope Psalm, but speaking with different voices. Uh, And this one voice is an internal voice also. Uh, It's not just um, the Bible, but also Augustine says, there's a voice speaking in your heart, the internal instigation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, And Calvin also there's an internal witness of the Spirit. Uh, It's just not only the Bible, it's also if you have the Holy Spirit in you, he will be speaking to you in your heart. And that's the answer to all the difficult questions that this man faces. Uh, Some psalm text to prove that's not just one-off thing in this psalm. Every night my heart instructs me, it's within my heart says of you, seek his face, your face, Lord, I seek. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. So his being is within me, answering our deepest longing, answering our questions. also a message of the... We come to the third part of the... uh It has to do with looking forward, and if we think of a situation where we find thirst, surrounded by enemies who say, where is your God? My bones suffer mortal agony and being God forsaken, even to the point saying yourself, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? From the beginning to the end, I thirst. Please, back one. Um. Yeah. Uh, I thirst, one of the words from the cross spoken by Jesus, is surrounded by enemies. Not only this psalm says it, but also Psalm 22, if you read into it. Who say, he calls God. Let's see what happens. Where is now this God of you? Uh, thieves crucified with him, one also so, mocks him. Uh, my bones serve mortal agony. Also read Psalm 22 in the description. It's actually what happens to someone on the cross. All bones get dislocated. And in the end, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So this is such a depiction of Christ on the cross, already in this psalm. And it goes further, yes? Uh The thing is, in the end, uh, there is this, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. And if you go to the Hebrew, Savior is God, my Savior. Yeshua is actually Yah, short for God. And this Yeshua means salvation, God of my salvation, the God who saves. It's actually the name of Jesus. Uh, The original Hebrew name of Jesus is in this psalm. Uh, So. Jesus experienced this all on the cross. He experienced what this man, about um, 800 years before Jesus was living. He experiences everything we can experience. He's there, a brother. He experienced it, all we did without sinning. He can relate to us, we can trust him. So, from a holiday psalm of natural beauty, missing worship. We have been missing worship during times of corona, and some are still missing it because they're vulnerable. We know what it is to be missing worship, meeting with God. We know. He knew Jesus. Not to be with God. God knows what it is to be God-forsaken. Out of love for us. Let's celebrate that in singing, in reflection, in thinking about it. Let's think about it when this internal voice speaks of it, and let's hear it, listen to it. Okay. next song.